Hi, my name's John Kasher and welcome to Cash Talk, where there'll be no boundaries and a lot of straight talk. All things money, business, and just everyday stuff. Hey guys, before we get started, just a quick reminder that all the information in this podcast is of a general nature and not tailored to your personal circumstances. So please seek personal financial advice before acting on this information. Hey everyone, and welcome to another session of Friday Finance on Cash Talk. And once again, I'm joined by Mason Thorne. Mason, how are you, mate? You're going well, thank you. Going well. Um, what about yourself, John? Yeah, not bad, not bad. The weeks uh, continue to steamroll on. It feels like, you know, it's Friday before we know it. But um, I really enjoy these sessions because we're going to deep dive into some questions and obviously uh, different areas of finance. And, and today's one that we get asked a fair bit, which is around, should I be putting extra or should I quit putting money into superannuation at all? And there's a bit of myths around certain things and there's some certain, um, you know, thoughts and views and opinions that we come across and we'll be looking to unpack that today. So really looking forward to this one. Um, but yeah, so Mason, probably from from your uh, your side of things, you know, should I be putting money into superannuation? You've heard some questions and people questioning things around that. And and what's the main questions that you that you hear? And, and what are the kind of thoughts behind all of this? Yeah. So in, in a nutshell, I guess the answer to that question is for most people a resounding yes, um, but. Some of the most common questions we sort of receive, John, are things around of why. So what benefits do I get for putting money into superannuation? Particularly self-employed people, I think. I think self-employed people, why should I pay myself super? Like I can spend that money on the business and things like this, which is a good point too. Um, But I think the main questions we're getting are why should I do it now and is it worthwhile doing now? Um, And, yes, I think we can definitely unpack that a little bit. But what what kind of questions do you sort of get, John, around people putting money into super? Yeah, I think a lot of people also just question it, you know, question the system, question the framework around it, the government intervention with it, the whole, you know, not being able to access my money for a period of time and, you know, the changing of goalposts. There's just this loss of this trust sometimes in this system that it's not going to be what it's promised to be. And I think you hit the nail on the head. It's around, you know, I can make better use of it if it's under my own my own control and my own system. So, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to unpack some certain things. And for most people, it is a resounding yes to be putting money into superannuation. But there are certain circumstances where you need to be careful on on what you do and and how you structure your own superannuation kind of strategies because. Yesterday, actually, and, and one of the reasons for jumping on to d- discuss this was I went into a store and I was just um, speaking to a young girl and um, it came onto the topic that I, I'm a financial advisor and she made a passing comment where she said, um, my dad tells me that it's a good idea to put 60% of my income into superannuation. And as I do, I, I just kindly asked, her, I said, if, you don't, if I don't mind asking, how old are you? And she goes, oh, I'm 21. And so this 21-year-old was being advised for her to be putting 60% of her salary into superannuation. Now, you know, she has other goals that she wants to achieve, you know, purchasing a home, so on and so on. And this is where the kind of conversation was going. But it was very interesting that there was people out there that were advising, even though their daughter, and probably I would imagine he's trying to do the best thing and advising his daughter on, on what needs to be the case. But as we both know, Mason, that could be very, very detrimental to that young young girl as much as she might end up having a massive nest eggs in regards to superannuation. 
She's also got, you know, about 40-odd years before she can touch that superannuation. Yeah, I'll tell you what, her future self would be loving it, but her current day self might be asking a few different little questions. I mean, when we're 21, we want to travel, buy our first homes, invest, have families, do so many things. As you can imagine, living, doing all those things off 40% of your income will be extremely difficult. I mean, of course, you don't know how much this young lady was earning or anything like this, but you could imagine she wouldn't be earning a stack of money. You couldn't imagine. Um, so yeah. 60% of your income is, is quite a lot. Um, so while I think the intention there was fantastic, uh, maybe in, in reality, maybe not quite so fantastic. Um, yeah, but lots yeah. to unpack there. But that doesn't mean a 21-year-old shouldn't put any money into it, but it either is a child. No, it's not. And, and it's a matter of about having a game plan and making sure that it's got a purpose and an objective to do it. You know, on the back of that, you may end up wanting to do like a first-home buyer super saver scheme and you, you're putting money into superannuation that you could potentially use for a first-home buyer's scenario. But the reality is just having that default position to just put that amount of money in is, is obviously questionable. And for, you know, the young viewers and the young listeners out of there, it's this trade-off between now and tomorrow. Yeah, working out that nice even balance between it. Now, in saying that, the superannuation environment is amazing. You know, um, it's one of the main reasons why it's fun that there's a, a lot of these caps that are on here and all of these regulations on how much you can have and, and, and all of that stuff in regards to superannuation. And and it's because all the inc- all of the um, all of the income that's generated inside superannuation is is capped out. Okay, so you pay a fifteen percent. Uh, a 15% earnings tax rate when you've got money in superannuation in the environment. And for most people, if you earn more than, say, 30, 40 grand, you're paying more than, you know, that in personal personal income. So trying to make assets that get into superannuation is usually a, a wise idea. And and once you're in, in, in retirement stage, as long as you're under the under certain, uh, in, under certain caps, you, you're essentially then earning money tax-free on the way out. So it's a pretty good system. The problem is with that is you lose liquidity to do so, or well, lose accessibility, sorry, to do so because you're not being able to access it until a period of time, okay? And then also there's certain rules and regulations that apply to superannuation assets that aren't necessarily applied to non-superannuation assets. So, for example, if you wanted to buy a property or whatever we wanted to do, having it in the superannuation structure is much more restrictive than it is if you had it held it in your own name or, or outside of a superannuation environment. So, you know, I'm not saying that it's it, it, it's good or bad. It's probably one of those things that you really got to you got to work out what your game plan is, and utilizing that structure for its maximum potential to get where you need to get to. Now, take one step back. We're very fortunate in Australia that the superannuation employment, like the employee contribution rate, is starting to grow, and it'll end up getting to twelve percent. But the reality is that all the plans that we do for most people, if they be a 21-year-old to a 31-year-old to a 41-year-old to a 51-year-old, doing the basis, the basics of just the employee, or the employer rate is usually not enough, Mason, is it? No, unfortunately, it's not. I think we're getting quite close to it being a very, very good level. I think 12 cents is a very, very healthy level. I'd love it to be about 15 I think for me, that would be fantastic. It would just help mm. out so many people. Um, but yeah, 12 cents is probably not quite there yet. Um, so just ch- chucking those little bits extra in is fantastic too. And something we'll probably t- talk on a bit more later is generally most people have some insurance premiums coming out too. So that means 
these mounts are getting eroded. Oh, I don't like the word eroded. They're getting used for these for this purpose. So that, that does lower your retirement nest egg when you get to that stage. So that's something we often discuss with clients and trying trying to mitigate that risk. I think that's a really big part of what we do, particularly for the younger people. Yeah, def- def- definitely. And I think when Paul Keating first kind of came out with the design of like the superannuation system, which I think it's, what is it? It's the 30-year anniversary, I think, this year That's or something about, like that. Yeah. yeah, 30-year anniversary. So um, there was a whole intention for it to be around the 15 to 20% mark, okay? Um, obviously, employers pushed back and said that they can't do that, but it's now starting to get to those levels. Now, I agree with you that 12% is really, really good. It's much better than a lot of countries around the world, but it's still not enough. And this is why you need to look at superannuation and what your strategies are in regards to superannuation, but also making sure that you're not putting too much in. And this is where the fine line happens. Yeah, the fine line happens between, you know, not training enough and training too much so you injure yourself. Yeah, it's getting that right balance between what what you need to do. And also... Working out a plan that sits outside of superannuation to complement superannuation. And what I mean by that is this. We know that superannuation for most people starts to get access between 60 to 65. So let's say you're a 30-year-old and you've got 30 years, but you don't want to retire when you're 60 or 65. You want to retire when you say 50, okay? Well, what we need to do is we need to build assets that sit outside of superannuation to bridge that gap between 50 to 60 to help you generate that passive income or that drawdown of accessibility of assets between 50 to 60 years old, making sure that then there's a bucket later on that's going to help feed that through, but really trying to get that where that needs to be. Now, really, also as current limits apply at the moment, you can pretty much have about $1.7 million before you get any additional kind of tax burdens on your superannuation when it comes to pensions phase later on. So, you know, we want to try and get as many assets as we can try and get to those caps so that we get as much tax-free income later on. So it's trying to move those pieces around and understanding what your objectives are. And if you're trying to get an early retirement, well, what's going to, what's that, what's going to get you from that early retirement to that 60-65? Because, Mason, the other thing we do see is a lot of people having to wait in their later years to access their super so that they can start living that lifestyle and doing too much because they've potentially put too much in. That's that's spot on. Like some people might have the assets to retire on paper when they're 50, but the bulk of their money is locked up until they're 60. So they're actually a, a, a sort of forced to work up until they can actually access this money, which is obviously a massive, massive problem when you want to retire early. So as you said, building up assets outside of super to complement your super balance so you can run those assets potentially down until you can access super is really good strategy if you do have that desire to retire early um, and, or even just reduce the part-time work, which we see quite often, John. And, and, and so, Mason, what's for, for maybe the people that are... We'll go through maybe the different stages as well. So when you're talking about someone that's maybe young and they're just starting off on their journey... Would you say that it's a good tip to just look at obviously what's going in and what's going out and just start with something extra, just not nothing? Is it one of those ones where they just need to look at it? Or is it like, nah, they should be maximizing the amount? Like, What what advice would you give to that person that maybe is that 21-year-old that's that I spoke to? Like, What's a more... Uh, uh, what's a, a, a better game plan or maybe a better thought process around it? Yeah, I think... Yeah, knowing the ins and outs is a really good idea. This, this, uh, and just 
just knowing where your super is. I, I'm, I'm constantly shocked that people don't know where the super is. Mm-hmm. This is a big concern. If I said to you, you didn't know where one of your bank accounts was that held $10,000, for example, you'd, you'd be like, oh, that's that's weird. But with super, it doesn't seem to be that way. So just one, knowing where your super is, that's a big tick. Having a look, in, having a look under the hood. What are the admin costs? What's going out? Do you have insurance in there? What's it invested in? Like just, just knowing these little things, you're well ahead of most of the population. And if you know these little things, then you can start to make changes. If you don't know anything, you can't make the changes. It's like anything. If you don't know what, you, what you're eating, you can't make improvements. Don't know how you're training, you can't make improvements. Having the data means you can build that to knowledge and into wisdom. And that's where you need to get to. So I think to answer your question, I've gone a long way about it, but 21-year-old, I think just having a look under the hood, knowing where your super is, how it's invested is a great way to start. And then you can start asking yourself, should we put more money in? Can I afford to put more money in? Do I need this insurance cover? Should I have more insurance cover? All these questions start to pop up. So the more we know, the more questions seem to pop up, which is always a good way to go about it, I think, John. Yeah, definitely. And then obviously what the trade-offs are. You put money in there, where else could it be going? Yeah, and understanding that trade-off and the differences between that. I think the other one as well too is the self-employed scenario where there's someone that's self-employed and they're working, they're earning their money. They'd rather use that for paying off their debts or whatever's going to happen or saving or whatever's going to be the case. You know, my tip for this person is at one point in time, you're wanting to stop that business. I would assume you don't want to work anymore. And what's the game plan to do that? And if your game plan is, for example, to not have superannuation and have other assets, aka property, for example, yeah, is that property then tax structured the right way? Yeah. And have, are you going to be having to liquidate that asset to then fund your retirement? When you go to liquidate property, for example, it's very, very expensive to do. Yeah. Um, you've got capital gains taxes that you need to be taken into consideration, agent fees, so on and so forth. So having the right structure for your money regardless of where you're sitting at from an employment or employ, uh, from an employment scenario, really you need to be focusing on superannuation. It's a dollar for today and a dollar for tomorrow is the kind of analogy, but you need to be looking after your, your tomorrow. So if you are self-employed, you're never treating yourself like you're an employee. What should the business be paying you and what should the business be putting for your, for your retirement when that time comes? So it is something to not shy away from while you're in, as you're self-employed. And over the years, there's been too many people that I've been seeing who are self-employed walk themselves into retirement and they've got nothing to show in regards to superannuation because they've been directing their money elsewhere. Um, I think the next one as well too is that we get is, is obviously the people, uh, Mason, that have mortgages, they've got big mortgages and they feel that they can't maybe put anything into superannuation, so on and so forth. So my question to you is, is those those people that might be thinking, oh, you know, I'd rather be putting my money into, into, my, into my home loan. What, what's the scenario there in the trade-off? Yeah, it's a great question. It's, it's probably one of the most common questions we get. And I think super is sort of seen as this secondary thing. Like, like once I pay down my debt, then I'll put money into super. But unfortunately, what happens is we are usually, most people don't pay down their debts until they're probably in their 50s. So therefore, you're leaving your run into superannuation quite late. So best case scenario, we're doing a bit of both. But what are the trade-offs? So when we're paying down the home loan, we know the interest rate that we're paying on the loan. So when we're paying that down, it's, it's almost, it's a guaranteed saving. So home loan rates are 3%. You're putting that money into that, let's say you're using your offset account, you're putting that extra money into the offset account, you're saving that 3%. It's guaranteed. Fantastic. But as we know, superannuation over the long term, John, 
when we look at the industry funds, how they release their ads and things and what they've done over the last 10 years and things, often we're seeing numbers saying 8 9% per annum over the last 10 years. So obviously 8 or 9 is better than 3. But that 8 or 9 is not a guarantee. And some years you will have negative years. So that's where that's where that trade-off comes in. But the longer term you're looking out, the more it makes sense to put some money away into super or into some other investments. This is not just super. This is other investments as well rather than the home loan. But I think I think we love that guarantee. And I know for me personally, I, I don't like owing people money. I don't love it. It's not a great feeling to owe people money. But I also know owing people money and having and using other people's money to create wealth is a great strategy. So it's one of the things you sort of got to, it's a mindset thing. You got to get over it. Now, it's been it's been a challenge for me personally to get over it and owing people money and leveraging my leveraging money and using other people's money to build my wealth. But it's a really great thing. So that's the I think that's the that's the big trade off that guarantee versus putting money away. So what about you, John? What do you what do you think is the bigger bigger trade off here when it comes to home loan super and investments? Yeah, I, I think I, I think you're right around what you're doing with the money and the guarantee, for, like the guarantee that you, what you're doing is going to pay off your debt, for example. But I think the other one is understanding that you're also paying with after-tax money. So when you when you're going to pay down debt, what's happening is is that you're getting paid your income, your tax is coming out, and then you're paying for your debt. Okay, so for that dollar that you're earning, you're paying it off with seventy cents of say that dollar if you're getting taxed at thirty cents. But in superannuation, you could actually put that into superannuation, get taxed at 15 cents in the dollar, not in 30, not, not say 30 cents in the dollar to make it for, for this explanation. So you're actually losing, when you're paying down debt and not putting money into super, you're actually giving up some of the tax advantages by moving that money into debt. And then when you work out what the cost benefit analysis is of doing that, <laughs> In most cases, I'm not going to say all cases, superannuation is the winner. Yeah, mm. That doesn't mean that we go off and don't pay people's debts down. That doesn't mean that I'm telling everyone to go away and rush away and put all their money into their superannuation. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that it is a very, very good vehicle that people underutilize or poorly utilize because they haven't got their objectives lined up and understand the trade-offs. And it sounds like a bit of a minefield. And in all honesty, it is a bit of a minefield. That's why, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years and I'm still learning about little intricacies and how I can be better at doing better strategies and new strategies come up and new changes and all of that. And, and Mason's here the same, yeah? But we need to be understanding of that trade-off of do I put money into superannuation or do I put off my debt? And then also that money that you're putting, say, outside, if that's going into your house, for example, the home you live in, that's also not an income-producing asset. So it's not fighting the goal of trying to be financially free at one point in time. Yeah, yes, it might be helping you at one point in time to, you know, maybe able to sell or downsize or whatever's going to be the case. But you may not be able. You may, with a good plan, don't even need to do that. You know, so. Um, understanding the tax consequences of your decisions. And I think this is the big area that people get it wrong. And then also making that right level of how much they put in and how much they don't put in. And we change this all the time for our clients. Like circumstances change, tax events happen, and we need to be able to you know, navigate through these life's uncertainties and making sure that they've got the right plan for that exact moment to push them one step further. 
push them one step further to get towards those goals that they're trying to achieve. You said that quite well, I think, John. I think that's a really um, really good thing. Yeah, getting, getting that mix right and doing a little bit of everything just so you know you, you're doing everything you possibly can to build up the wealth you want. Because, I mean, nothing's guaranteed, of course. But if you're doing a little bit of everything, you know that you're controlling what you can control and you're doing the things to build your wealth up over the long term. I think that's the that's the key thing. And I think as well, particularly when we, I think, John, when we see clients who are, say, approaching that time where they can access super and they might they may still have a little bit of debt it makes even more sense to say put that money into superannuation because you might when you retire you can draw that money out and pay down any debt that was there so there's there is that element there as well so i always say when people are over 65 and still working if you're not maximizing your super something's wrong it's just it's such a it's a, such a free hit that you, you've got to be doing it um yeah but it's yeah it's it's there's so many little intricacies, um, particularly, particularly for the younger people with super because I think we struggle to to see ourselves in the future. It's like, I want to live in the now. I want to have holidays now, do these things now, which is fair enough. We, the future's not guaranteed, of course. But we've got to be doing something for our future selves because we'll be kicking ourselves if we don't. That's right. That's right. I have one question for you, Mason. What about the people that are concerned are skeptical about the whole superannuation system. Mm. They, they, and we get that a lot. Where it's mm. like, I just don't trust it. It's you know they can move the goalposts. What's your view on that? You know, I've got my own personal view, but mm. what's yours? Yeah, it's such an interesting one. We do get this one a lot, and a story that comes out in my mind is I remember, I remember years ago, someone came in to see me, and we we're, were discussing super, and they were very much a property guy. They had a lot of investment properties. They were self-employed, had no super whatsoever. And I was like, I was, I was queried. I was like, oh, you don't have any superannuation. What's what's the reason? And I was just really curious. He's like, oh, I don't trust the government. They, they'll just take my money, et cetera. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. That's cool. It's like, yeah, they're always changing the rules around super. Everything's changing. It's like, it's like and that's fair. They, they do change the rules occasionally around the contribution limits, things like this. However, the government doesn't have control of the money. I just want to lay it out first and foremost. They don't. Um, the, the money is yours. They can't take it. Um, it's like anything. It's like a bank account. They just can't touch. They can't just take it away from you. But it's funny you mentioned that they always change the rules around it, which, as I said, it's true. But they also change the rules around property too. It's like negative gearing changes. Like they change. Like there's always personal tax that. rates. Personal tax That's rates change. change. Exactly. So the rules change around absolutely everything. It's not. Property is not immune um, to these things and other investments aren't immune. So it's the mindset around super, I, it's got a really bad rap and it's so, it seems like it can't shake it for some reason. Um, it's, just a, it's just a really funny one. People seem to think that the government's going to take it away or change the rules and say, no, that's no longer for your retirement. This is our money now. Um, there's some, yeah, stories come out about and you see them occasionally. It's sort of, it's a worry because superannuation is just such a great vehicle for investments, such a tax-friendly vehicle. And what you find, what you find, any most changes to superannuation are carefully constructed. Um, it's either that they'll tell you years in advance, yeah. So they'll say this is coming in, like the contribution changes, yeah. They're coming in three years, five years, ten years from now. Like they're giving that anticipation to allow you to change your strategies, okay. Or they'll what we call grandfather them. They'll say, okay, well. These don't apply. These rules don't apply from this cohort and back, yeah, of people. 
so that it's not disadvantaged to the populace. So, for example, one of the rules that did change was around preservation age. It was the year that you could start taking money from superannuation. Now, that originally started at age 55 and has now worked its way to age 60. But those transition to that age 60 preservation age, as Mason know, that probably has been in your, over your career, that transition. Hmm. Yeah, That started decades ago in the anticipation of that transition based on date of births so that people could know what they needed to do and act accordingly. Now, in regards to limits, these contribution limits, they change. Yeah, they adjust, but they stay pretty consistent. Okay. And once again, major ones are done in anticipation and usually grandfathered for strategies that are already in place. There's boards and associations and advisors that are contributing to these decisions to make sure that they're not detrimental to all Australians. And I can assure you, with superannuation being one of the biggest assets of most people around the country, it's also not one that the politicians want to play around with too much from the detrimental side of things. It's now got a big, big seat at the table when it comes to negotiations. And yes, polys can use it as a little bit of a tax grab in regards to that. But once again, like Mason said, they can also do that in the biggest asset of them all, property as well too. So they walk very closely and tread very carefully yeah, in regards to what they're doing with superannuation. And I do think that superannuation is much more established now than it was five to 10 years ago as it was finding its feet in regards to where it needed to be for Australians' wealth moving forward. So to wrap things up, should I be putting money into superannuation? I think everyone should be considering it, looking at it, seeing if it's right for you. But understanding the trade-offs of putting money in and not putting money in and understanding the consequences of taking that action or not. And if you find yourself that this is a maze, this is confusing, this, you know, I don't really get it or am I making the right decisions or questioning your own strategies? Well, this is why professional advisors are there to help, okay? And, you know, speaking to a professional financial advisor helps you to navigate through all of these complexities. But for that young 21-year-old that's looking to put money into superannuation, like Mason said, look, identify, understand the trade-offs and just be aware of what's going on. Taking into consideration those other goals and aspirations that you got. For the person that's there and paying off their debt, well, what's the trade-off for paying off the debt for the next 20, 30 years and not putting money into superannuation? Where's that going to end you up? And for the people that are approaching retirement, superannuation is a no-brainer, okay? You need to be looking at it. It needs to be a staple of your strategies and looking at exploring the options in regards to contributing before that tap turns off and you stop working. So regardless of what your age group is, your stage in life or where you're at, superannuation is a key part of wealth creation. And you need to be looking at it as a part of your overall strategy. Once again, Mason, thank you very much for joining me on another session of Friday Finance. And I uh, look forward to seeing, seeing you and speaking to you next week. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, John. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cash Talk. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to learn more about me, jump onto my Instagram at, at thejohncasher.com and you'll find me there or at my website at www.johncasher.com.au. Thanks for listening. Cheers.